Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. There are still Americans there. We expect the Taliban to ensure freedom of travel. A botched exit. This president made this decision. He owns it. We're laying the foundation for another century of American prosperity. Democrats have been printing and wasting money like there's no tomorrow. Unprecedented territory. That means inflation. I'm humbled to the millions of Californians rejecting the division. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Wednesday. The Babylon Bee is reporting. Congratulations to uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. U-Haul has announced that he is the salesperson of the year for the third year in a row, record-setting sales quarter. We're astounded by the growth we've seen in California, said U-Haul's Western Regional Director, Fenwick Bugstein. Thanks to Gavin Newsom, literally every middle-class family has moved out of the state. It's been impossible to keep up with the demand. The only problem is they're running out of trucks. (laughs) Babylon B is a parody, okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Kamala. So uh, Newsom did win yesterday, and uh, yeah, it was a disappointment, but it was pretty much expected. I mean, the vote percentages was almost identical to the loss that uh, Donald Trump suffered in California in the last general election. The percentages were basically the same. Now, the turnout on both sides was about uh, 40% less than what it was in the uh, last general election. Uh, does this mean that the Republicans are not going to do well in uh, 2022? I don't think so. I mean, first of all, uh, obviously, Gavin Newsom and Democrats were very concerned. They put a pile of money into this. They, I don't, can, you, can you say that Sending Kamala Harris out there and Joe Biden out there is bringing out the big guns. I don't eh, probably not, but come I, on, man. I'm sorry, Joe. You're not a big gun. I know Obama has a big stick, but uh, you're not a big gun. It's, how many push-ups you want to do here? <laughs> All right, Joe. So I, you know, it's uh, it was disappointing. Listen, I will say this though. Thank you, Larry Elder. Yeah, he didn't really want to run. He was, you know, basically drafted. And I thought he was a great candidate. It is amazing, though, looking back, because he was in the race, what, 45 days, maybe? Amazing how the liberals were just scared to death of him. Because, I, I mean, look how they came out against him. To call the guy the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> the woman in the gorilla mask who threw an egg at Larry Elder and started punching on his uh, one of his bodyguards. Can you imagine if that was a conservative white woman in a gorilla mask throwing an egg at Obama? The woman would have been tried for who knows what and sent out on a rail. But Larry Elder, no, no big deal. No big deal. All in all, though, Larry Elder is the the genuine deal. 
I mean, there were there were liberals on there just saying all kinds of vile things about the guy, making anything up, and nobody calls him to account. And, and oh, you think uh, Facebook or Twitter would knock anybody off for saying those kind of things about Larry Elder? Not a chance. Carolina Journal is reporting the state house voted. 58 to 47 today to endorse a bill requiring the state attorney general, Josh Stein, to get approval from the legislative leaders before settling lawsuits on their behalf. The bill now heads to the governor, which he will veto, because this is reigning in Josh Stein. And don't you know that Josh Stein is the personal attorney for whatever the governor wants? I mean, he's basically Roy Cooper's private attorney. The measure passed on party line vote, Republicans supporting it, Democrats opposing it. Senate Bill 360 is entitled Prohibit Collusive Settlements by the AG. Many of you were here last session in the summer of 2020 facing a pandemic. We had members of both parties create a bipartisan elections bill because we were dealing with COVID, said Representative Destin Hall from Caldwell County. While explaining the bill's origin, we wanted people to be able to vote safely while also enduring that we had, ensuring rather, that we had election integrity. We did that, he added. We worked for weeks on that bill, and the ultimate product was the bill that passed 105 to 14. The Senate and the governor signed off on the measure. It became law, but groups aligned with the Democratic Party filed suit against the state's new COVID-inspired election rules, Hall explained. The problem came up in in September of 2020, when a supposed or alleged settlement was reached between the Democrat governor's state board of election and the Democratic groups who had sued. Sounds like a conflict of interest, do you think? So essentially, it became a friendly lawsuit at that point. Even though the General Assembly was a party to the lawsuit, they were not given the opportunity to sign off on it. This was 41 days before the election. A million absentee ballots had been requested. 225,000 people had already voted in this election. This settlement agreement changed the rules in the middle of the game. He said, I don't care how you're changing them. That never makes sense. We should have one set of rules for an election. They shouldn't be changed right in the middle of it, as they were. And North Carolina wasn't the only state, but it was one of the states. And, yeah, you don't think that that was part of the national make sure that Biden wins regardless of what we do? The House Speaker and the Senate pre- uh, President Pro Tem filed a lawsuit at the time to block the settlement. Uh, SB 360 would apply to only future lawsuits. And, and this, I mean, it's it's sad, but you have an attorney general that, I mean, this is malfeasance, what he has done. Representative uh, Marsha Morley of Durham objected to the bill said it should have been put forward as a proposed constitutional amendment. She argued it would change the duties of the attorney general spelled out in the Constitution. Well, the attorney general isn't following the rules spelled out for him in the Constitution. Why aren't you complaining about that? Representative Sarah Stevens of Surrey County responded to the objections. As an attorney who's practiced for years and years, I've never been able to settle, and no judge has been willing to accept a settlement that was not signed off on all parties. The state of North Carolina was party here. We had an interest. We still have an interest, but we're not even consulted. 
The Senate approved SB 360 on a 28 to 21 party line vote in April. Once the bill is officially presented to Governor Roy Cooper, he will have 10 days to sign it, veto it, or allow it to become law without his signature. He will veto it. He'll veto it. I mean, he wants Josh Stein there at his beck and call. Josh, you got to follow the rules of the progressives. You got to follow the rules of the libs. It'll get vetoed. I mentioned yesterday an article written by David Zwig out of the Atlantic. He writes in this article, Another worrying statistic is often cited to depict the dangers of this moment. The number of patients hospitalized with COVID-19 in the United States right now is as high as it's been since the beginning of February. It's even worse in certain places. Some states, including Arkansas and Oregon, recently saw their COVID hospitalizations rise to higher levels than at any other prior stage of the pandemic. But how much do these latter figures really tell us? From the start, COVID hospitalizations have served as a vital metric for tracking the risks posed by the disease. But a new nationwide study of hospitalization records released as a preprint today, which actually yesterday, and not formally peer-reviewed, suggests that the meaning of this gauge can easily be misinterpreted. And that has been shifting over time. If you want to make sense of the COVID number hospitalizations at any given time, you need to know how sick each patient actually is. Until now, that's been almost impossible to find out. The federal government requires hospitals to report every patient who tests positive for COVID, yet the overall tallies of COVID hospitalizations made available on various state and federal dashboards and widely reported by the media do not differentiate based on the severity of the illness. Some patients need extensive medical intervention, such as getting intubated, while others require supplemental oxygen or administration of the steroid uh, of steroids. But there are many COVID patients in the hospital with fairly mild symptoms, too, who have been admitted for further observation on account of their comorbidities or because they're reported feeling short of breath. Another portion of the patients in this tally are in the hospital for something unrelated to COVID and discovered that they were infected only because they were tested on admission. In other words, story after story after story you hear about hospitalizations of COVID patients at an all-time high is fake news. Now, okay, they're in the hospital, they're tested, and they're tested positive for COVID, but essentially they're asymptomatic. They wouldn't even know they had COVID if they weren't tested on the way in for something else. And guess what? They're listed as a COVID patient. There is a bizarre story that's made the news today. It actually came out on Friday from WECT down in Wilmington. This is, uh, get ready with cut two, this is uh, Clark. In a doctor leaked video from last Friday, staff at the Novant Health New Hanover Regional Medical Center says hospital COVID-19 messaging should be more scary for the public. You don't get vaccinated, you know you're going to die. This leaked video, again, this was there was a doctor in on this Zoom call. We don't know who it was, and obviously he's not going to admit it or they'd can him. But fortunately, there was an honest doctor in their midst who leaked this video to WECT 
And this video confirms all your suspicions. Now, you're going to hear three people that speak in, this, in the audio from the Zoom call. The video begins with the hospital director of marketing, Carolyn Fisher, explaining what information the hospital provides in terms of COVID-19 numbers with specific mention of the percentage of unvaccinated hospitalizations. Uh, Dr. Mary Ruddock, who previously served as the chief medical staff for the New Hanover Hospital, responds bluntly, saying she feels the hospital's messaging needs to be a little bit more scary. Then you'll hear Shelbourne Stevens, who earlier this year was named president of Novant Health New Hanover Regional Medical Center and the Coastal Market, clarifies Ruddock's request, explaining that he will get the padded COVID numbers up to marketing. Here's the, listen to this audio. This is unbelievable. Thank goodness for the doctor that leaked this. This is from last Friday. The dashboard and how it's set up itself, as far as how we get information out to the community on meaningful numbers, we do that on a weekly basis. So that's on our website, and we've been sharing that through social channels as well, particularly those graphics that show the number of patients and how the percentage of them that are unvaccinated, the percentage of unvaccinated people in the ICU and the percentage of deaths and the numbers. So those are numbers that we put out as far as we don't get into details of floor. Right. Those other numbers are certainly out there. Right. I, I guess my feeling at this point in time is maybe we need to be completely a little bit more scary for the public. Then there's another comment, as I completely agree, there are many people still hospitalized that we're considering post-COVID, but we're not counting in those numbers. So how do we include those post-COVID people in the numbers of the patients we have in the hospital? So is that all the people who have been in the hospital since the beginning of COVID? Well, or is it that are still in it? And that's something that I can take to someone else. But I think those are important numbers. The patients that are still in the hospital, that are off the COVID floor, but still are occupying the hospital for a variety of reasons. Okay. Carolyn, we call those, I'm sorry, we, we're calling those recovered now. If you look at yeah. the Vermont Health dashboard, they're listed as recovered. But I do think it, from our standpoint, we would still consider them a COVID patient because they're still healing. Yeah. So I think that that needs to be highlighted as well. Because once they're off isolation, they drop from the COVID numbers. That's exactly right. Kelly, we can talk offline and yeah. how we run that up to the marketing. Right. So I'm just going to say, Carolyn, I think we have to be more blunt. We have to be more forceful. We have to say something coming out. You know, you don't get vaccinated. You know, you're going to die. I mean, let's just let's just be really blunt to these people. This is unbelievable. Why in the world would they be doing this unless there was a motive other than the, the health of the people? Now, what's interesting is, so again, we're sorry the audio was a little hard to follow there. But at one point, this director of marketing, Carolyn Fisher, says, we, we've got to scare these people. We've got to scare the you-know-what out of them. We're just tell them if they don't get this vaccination, they're going to die. And then she comes back and she says, well, listen, 
how how can we count? We need to count everybody that has COVID. You know, even if they've recovered and they're not in the hospital for having COVID, we how how do we still count them? And the Shelbourne Stevens says, well, you know, we can we we consider them recovering and. And let me, I, well, I can figure out how we can count them, and I'll get it up to marketing for you. So we can get this fake news out to everybody. This is right down in Wilmington. Novant New Hanover Regional Medical Center. Thank goodness there was a doctor that said, I, I'm not going to put up with this. It's unbelievable. It makes you wonder, too, okay, is is it—I know there are a lot of doctors out there that have, have gotten the vaccine. And again, I've, I've said all along, you want to get the vaccine, go get the vaccine. But I've also said all along that none of these numbers make a whole lot of sense. They don't add up. I mean, you know— you listen to the state news, the national news, day after day. Oh, the COVID numbers are just through the roof. There's more people now in, in the hospital. You don't hear a lot about deaths, but you hear a lot of people being hospitalized. Okay, they're in the hospital. They're tested positive for, for COVID. But if they didn't go to the hospital and they weren't tested during admission, they would never have known they had COVID. A Novant Health spokesperson issued the following statement to WECT. The team members involved in this excerpt from an internal meeting are seeing the highest level of COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths so far in this pandemic. Despite having safe and effective vaccines widely available, this was a frank discussion among medical and communications professionals on how we can more accurately convey the severity and seriousness of what's happening inside our hospitals and throughout our communities. What a load. Oh, yes, you elites. You're endowed with divinity. Thank you for taking, thank you for lying to us because we're just, we're just idiot mortals. Oh, thank you so much for taking good care of us because we can't think for ourselves. We could never be trusted with the truth. We're, we're, we're mere mortals. Please continue to lie to us. We don't have the ability to think for ourselves. This is unbelievable. And, oh, and the pushback they got on Facebook. I mean, does anybody believe this load? This, these team members are professional. Feedback on Facebook after this hit Facebook. I just watched a video where your staff basically said we need to lie and skew the numbers of COVID patients so that you can scare people and tell them to go get vaccinated or they'll die. I'd sure like to know where the money passes, lying and trying to scare people. Why would anyone want to trust your hospital? Hey, New Hanover, what's up with this? Stoking fear much? Inflating numbers? We're all awake now. Your time is coming. Another said, you've broken trust. Who can believe you? Another said, caught setting up more lies with your own video and trying to deny it to demonize the unvaccinated. You are the garbage that is ruining this country. Keep inflating numbers because no one's buying it. Another said, the mere fact that some in your ranks are plotting to inflate the data 
in order to scare the public causes me to wonder how much more behind-the-scenes fraud occurs at your facility. Congratulations on going viral, viral though. Um, just last year, Robert Redfield, who's the director of the CDC, acknowledged during a House hearing that COVID-19 data could be inflated because hospitals receive a monetary gain by reporting more COVID-19 cases. Yep. (laughs) Happening right here in North Carolina, right down the road, right in the southern part of our listening area. Unbelievable. Hey, we got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. More news and views coming right up. Ride shotgun with your 5 o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. It is news and views for a Wednesday. Taking a look at your weather forecast, a chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly not, not a big chance. May only before 8 o'clock tonight. Chance of rain, 30%. Low tonight around 70. Tomorrow, more of the same. Again, a 30% chance of late afternoon thunderstorms, early evening thunderstorms, high around 86, a little cooler. Tomorrow night, more of the same, low around 72, 30% chance of rain. It's interesting, talking about um, the story out of the new, uh, the new, uh, the Novant Health New Hanover Regional Medical Center. You know, there's certain things that we traditionally have always just thought, okay, we're going to get a fair shake on this. And the stories today have a theme. That those things we used to trust in, the FBI, our public schools, teachers, hospitals. I mean, there's certain things that you just trusted and you thought, oh, I'm going to get a fair shake there. I don't know. Cleveland.com is reporting there's a little town outside of Akron called Hudson, Ohio, the town of Hudson. Hudson Mayor Craig Sherbert and the Hudson High School parents of the local high school are calling for resignation of the Hudson School Board and teachers after students in the school's liberal arts two writing class received a book of inappropriate writing prompts. The name of the workbook was 642 Things to Write About. How bad was it? Well, this past Monday evening, two nights ago, Before the school board, citizens had the opportunity to express their thoughts. It was an open forum, and they did. There was a number of parents that came and read them the riot act. One young lady came in, and apparently in the same class, in tears, she was saying, because this is considered a college class, even though it's in the high school, and even though these students are still minors— Because it's a college class, a, quote, college class, they could run films in there that were inappropriate for minors. Soft porn is probably being kind. 
the teacher would show it, and then, well, this part's a little too frisky, so they would fast forward through it. So you'd, you'd see the deed in fast forward motion. But the teacher would explain and describe everything that was going on. This girl was in tears. She said, I would not. And she couldn't. She said, I wasn't allowed to leave the room. She probably wasn't allowed to leave the room because it might get out what they were watching in there. But the big part of the story was this workbook, 642 Things to Write About. Hudson Mayor Craig Sherbert was the last person to come in to speak to the board, and this is exactly what he said. Members of the board, my name is Craig Schubert. I'm the mayor of this city. It has come to my attention that your educators are distributing essentially what is child pornography in the classroom. I've spoken to a judge this evening. She's already confirmed that. So I'm going to give you a simple choice. You either choose to resign from this board of education or you will be charged. Thank you. Well, that's pretty much putting how it is. It's come to my attention that your educators are distributing essentially what's child pornography. I've spoken to a judge this evening. She's already confirmed that. I'm going to give you a simple choice. Either resign from this Board of Education or you will be charged. Now, I looked and looked and looked today. I mean, this just happened Monday night. I have yet to find anything out as to whether or not anyone on the school board has resigned. But I'm sure they've gone and hired attorneys. This is this is bad. This is bad. Again, another institution where, I mean, for a while there, you know, you, you, you suspected certain people that were putting out the curriculum. You know, the curriculum came out of California, and but the teachers sifted through it, and the school board supposedly sifted through it. Obviously, they didn't sift through this very well. But now you got teachers. You got teachers that just are happy to go along with it, happy to promote it. Monica Havens, the mother of a high school senior who received the 642 Things to Write About book, previously worked as a teacher for 11 years. She shared some of the prompts from the book at the board meeting among them. This is, this is some of the things that they encourage high school students to write about out of this book. Choose how you will die. Write a scene that begins, it was the first time I killed a man. These people are sick. Describe your favorite part of a man's body using only verbs. You have a dream that you've murdered someone. Who is it? How and why did the murder happen? And what happens afterward? You're a serial killer. What TV shows are on your DVR list? Why? This is, this is a beaut. Write a sex scene you wouldn't show your mom. Rewrite the sex scene from the above into one that you would let your mom and dad read. You've just been caught in bed by a jealous spouse. How will you talk your way out of this? This is unbelievable. Uh, oh, then we gotta we gotta attack Christianity. Write a sermon for a beloved preacher who has been caught in a sex scandal. These are high school students. 
Describe a time when you wanted to orgasm but you couldn't. Write 10 euphemisms for sex. Your a brand new suicide hotline counselor. Describe how you feel during the course of your first call. Write the letter from the point of view of a drug addict. Drink a beer. Write about the taste. These are minors. This is this is a beaut. Write an X-rated Disney scenario. A room full of people who want to sleep together. That's what you're going to write about. And the, the crescendo of it all, write about the first time you had sex. These people are sick. And the teacher that would give this assignment, I, I assume this, this is a book that is available nationally. 642 things to write about. Haven said she found out about the book from a friend who shared a screenshot of a page in the book. I asked my daughter if she had been reading the book with a book with inappropriate stuff in it. She said yes. Havens asked to see the book. She went to her backpack, got the book, discovered the horrific prompts. I can't even wrap my brain around a teacher. I don't care if it's for college credit. These are minors, Havens said. Eric Durker a police officer with the city of Stowe called for the school to install cameras in classrooms at the board meeting. Police officers wear body cameras to monitor their behavior, and they have brief interactions with the public. You have our kids eight hours a day. Great point. You bring this up, we want, uh, uh, the, oh, it, it's been suggested before. Teachers' unions, teachers, oh, they're, Totally against it. Well, you can't have that. Hudson High School principal Brian Welch in the meeting told the board and attendees, there are times we need to take a step back and reflect and get better. Get better at what? Not getting caught? I mean, that's the other thing. I am so sick and tired of these people getting caught literally and figuratively with their pants down, and then, the, oh, well, we're sorry, as if that makes it all fine. Oh, I said I'm sorry. Oh, we'll try to do better next time. Try to get, try to do better at not getting caught is probably what she, he meant. Wilt said he became aware of the inappropriate writing prompts in the book, which is used as a support resource in a college credit course last Friday. The class is offered in association with Harem College, but it's taught at the high school, according to Wilch. So this, this, I mean, listen to what he says. Is this acceptable for an 18-year-old college student? I mean, maybe it's legal, but is it, is it acceptable? I mean, of all the things you could write about. He said, we did not exercise our due diligence when we reviewed this resource and we overlooked several prompts that were not appropriate. We felt terrible. You can't unsee the writing prompts, he said at the meeting. Several. There's several that we didn't see. I just listed 17 for you. Hudson High School on Monday issued an apology to parents and is working to collect the prompt books. Welch told the board and the meeting attendees that the school will do a better job in the future. That's what they always say. I'm sorry, we'll do a better job in the future. 
And look, I there's and if something else happens right then and there, something else is going. Why didn't they know about it? Isn't this what the school board is supposed to be doing? Instead, they're spending all their time about how many masks we're going to wear. How about going over curriculum? And folks, okay, this was up near Akron, Ohio, but this was a small town in, in Ohio, Hudson, Ohio. If you think this isn't happening in North Carolina, in eastern North Carolina, you better wake up. You better wake up and smell the coffee. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Talking about this uh, story with Clark during the break uh, out of Hudson, Ohio. This uh, 642 things to write about in the perversion. You know, it's, you can, you can see some teacher wanting to get his happies out of reading his kicks, his perverted kicks out of reading these essays. I mean, you, you can, I, I don't know. I'm not accused. Well, listen, who, whoever the, the teacher was, he knew what was being requested of these kids. If he had any kind of morals, he would have immediately gone to those people above him and said, this is inappropriate stuff. But he hands it out. I mean, you can imagine him wanting to read, oh, about these young girls, these 16-year-old girls and the first time they had sex. And what happens when he gets that essay? And suddenly it's like, um, gee, should I, should I tell your parents about this? Some, suddenly some young man or young woman can be blackmailed by the guy. If the guy's a pervert. Again, I don't have anybody in mind, but you can see how suddenly this thing could get even uglier than it already is. It really spiral out of control. Yeah. So, I mean, so hey, here's, an, I mean, again, the theme today, the, the institutions we used to trust that we can't anymore. Here's another one for you, the military. We talked about this yesterday. Mark Milley, the general, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, responded through a spokesperson today to that bombshell report that he was on the phone talking to his Chinese counterpart saying, hey, don't worry, if, uh, if we attack you, I'll call you ahead of time so you can be ready. There's other stories uh, out of the same book by Bob Woodworth and Robert Costa talking about the fact that Millie had gone to other officers that were below him, again, he's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, going to other military officers below him and basically having them pledge their loyalty to him. Well, who's, who's above him? The president is. So he's usurping the authority of the president of the United States, Donald Trump. And apparently, if this book is correct, all these other military officers said, yeah. So the Pentagon comes out with a statement. 
And in essence, they never denied that Milley said these things. They never denied it happened. They say things like keeping with his responsibilities as senior military advisor to the president and the secretary of defense, Milley frequently conducts meetings with uniformed leaders across the services to ensure all leaders are aware of current issues. The meeting regarding nuclear weapon protocols was to remind uniformed leaders in the Pentagon of the long-established and robust procedures in light of media reporting on the subject. He, he never denied. Now, maybe he'll come out and deny it later, but basically he said, well, I mean, another part of this release from the Pentagon, well, he calls leaders all across the, the globe. He calls his counterparts all the time. What's the big deal? The big deal is you're our adversary. Now, you weren't the declared enemy, but you were our adversary, China. And Milley is over there saying, hey, don't worry, I'll give you the inside scoop. You know, now, we, we talked yesterday, and uh, and I said during one of the calls, you know, that he should be, somebody called and said he should be tried for treason. I said, well, we're not in a declared war. But if you look up UMCJ Article 94, a service member of the United States Armed Forces who seeks to overthrow lawful civil or military order by seditious or mutinous acts, either through violence or disobedience, could face punishment under Article 94 of the UCMJ. Accusations of of mutiny and sedition are some of the most serious in the military. While a remote chance of occurring, even the less serious offenses found within Article 94 could carry with them the penalty of death regardless of whether the actions were taken at a time of war or peace. Go look it up. Go look it up on your uh, Windows Explorer. Google it. UCMJ, Article 94. There's a lot of detail there. I, I, again, I, you know, I, I realize the guy's innocent until proven guilty. And I look, I, Bob Woodworth and uh, Robert Costa... No, I, I don't necessarily believe everything they say is the gospel. But, uh, hey, nonetheless, by the way, Donald Trump has responded. Miley has faced widespread calls to resign over the phone call, including from Trump. He said in a statement, if the story of dumb A General Mark Milley the same failed leader who engineered the worst withdrawal from a country, Afghanistan, in U.S. history, leaving behind many dead and wounded soldiers, many American citizens, and $85 billion worth of the newest and most sophisticated military equipment in the world, and our country's reputation is true, then I would assume he would be tried for treason in that he would have been dealing with his Chinese counterpart behind the president's back and telling China that he would be giving them notification of an attack. Can't do that, Trump continued. The good news is that the story is fake news concocted by a weak and ineffective general together with two authors who I refuse to give an interview to because they wrote fiction. Well, again, to President Trump, uh, okay, it's not going to be treason, but it could be uh, mutiny and sedition. And uh, I, I don't, I, somehow I don't think Milley would really relish this book coming out.
Just saying. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Stay with us. I'll be right back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. So up in D.C. today, there was a hearing involving U.S. Olympic gymnast women who were gym, um, competed in gymnastics. Many were in the Olympics. Simone Biles was one of those. She testified before the Senate committee. Here's just a portion of what she said. Cut My four. name is Simone Biles, and I'm a gymnast who has trained at the levels of the sport. And I believe without a doubt that the circumstances that led to my abuse and allowed it to continue are directly the result of the fact that the organizations created by Congress to oversee and protect me as an athlete, USA Gymnastics, and the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, committee failed to do their jobs. I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured before, during, and continuing to this day. To be clear, I blame Larry Nasser, and I also blame an entire system that enabled and perpetrated his abuse. We have been failed, and we deserve answers. Nasser is where he belongs, but those who enabled him deserve to be held accountable. Simone Biles went on for about five minutes talking about how Larry Nasser had abused, I, I think it was a total they figured out, something like 260 young ladies sexually abused them as the doctor for the gymnast. Uh, you know, it's, it is, what the, the irony of this is the earlier story out of Hudson, Ohio, where we're trying to encourage young people to write about perversion. And at the same time, what, what is the result of a, this, this perversion? You, you have, and, and I'm not saying everybody that's going to write an essay is going to turn out by, like Larry Nasser, but why, why is it that we encourage this kind of thing, this kind of behavior, when the results can end up with ruined lives? I mean, it's unbelievable. The FBI went through all kinds of interviews with these gymnasts about Larry Nasser, and they basically just swept it under the carpet. One young lady said, when I read the final report that came out years later, I thought, who? they didn't interview me. I didn't say these things. They actually said that the gymnasts tried to cover up for Larry Nasser. That's how bizarre it was. Uh, and Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, what does he say? He comes out and says, gee, I didn't know anything about it. This is news to me. Typical. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll play a little political trivia. Pray for our country. It needs it. Thanks. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.